Welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Hi there, it's Colin here, and uh, welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. Today, I have been so fortunate, I've managed to spend uh, an hour chatting to Todd Conklin. Um, Todd has got one of the biggest um, health and safety podcasts in the world, the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. Um, He goes all over the world um, talking um, and influencing safety differently uh, amongst uh, lots and lots of other things. A really, really passionate guy, a lovely guy. Um, We have a great chat. Um, talking a bit about COVID, um, but really talking about what happens after, you know, and how we're going to come through this and what's going to happen on the other side, um, which is which is really interesting because I think, you know, both agree things are going to be different. Anyway, um, let me uh, hand over to you. Uh, uh, sorry, let me hand over to him. And uh, please have a good listen. And uh, we will chat again at the end. No, oh, it's uh, in- interesting times, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, uh, what do you think? Oh, uh, well, we... I mean... Th- it's it's frustrating but it's it's really a great opportunity as well to uh you know to get to get stuff done that you've that you've put on the back burner for, <laughs> for years and years so you know yeah. we're, you know we're, we're sort of really having a having a go at getting i don't know just getting getting some of the systems and procedures and training and, and all the things you know that we've uh, that we've got in the business just getting them sharper and better and up to scratch what about yourself uh well i was working on a, a new book before this started Right. So I've been working on the book, but I've actually just been um, kind of hanging low, reading as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's it's if I don't do a lot of stuff, I feel guilty for not doing a lot of stuff. But I'm not very motivated to do very much stuff. <laughs> I heard a great phrase. Where did I hear it yesterday? I'm on the fifth day of a two-hour project, <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much how I. Uh, right. That's how I feel. <laughs> the thing is, is um, I mean, uh, you know, um, there's 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 so much there's so much pressure on all the time. You know, that's a uh, that's what I find. You know, with the with in the business with the clients that we work with, and um, and I suppose this just gives a real good opportunity to you know to just just spend a bit more time doing maybe some of the important things that you, you you'd forgotten about, like you know, hanging out with the family and uh, yeah. You know, I agree. You know. I agree. I don't think, I don't know how you feel, but I don't think I'm going to go back to uh, my old schedule. I, I certainly am. I was traveling too much. Mm-hmm. Like I've been home for seven weeks because I got back from Australia on the 12th of March. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I mean, we've been pretty much sheltered in place since then. Yeah. And uh, I, just, uh, this is the longest I've been home in 25 years, probably. And I just, I travel too much. So I think I'm going to really reduce that. So I don't know. And I'm trying to really uh, lay back and not like, I haven't been impressed with people who've advertised lots of web-based seminars and fundamentals classes. And I'm, I'm going to let, if, if the people I work with want to work with me, I think I'm going to let them contact me. I'm going to, I'm going to try to not put pressure on them to, Mm-hmm. find work yep mm-hmm. i don't know that could be the wrong i could have exactly the wrong uh philosophy but i, I don't i've never been through a pandemic it's my first pandemic <laughs> yeah the, the the spanish flu it was a few years ago wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah i missed I, I wasn't really paying attention then i was young and didn't care so the sad, I, sad thing to, sad thing to me is that we're in so I spend a lot of time just because I come out of a science background with uh, all these epidemiologists and stuff that I know, mm-hmm. and um, we're far from done with this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the one they're worried about is not this one. The one they're worried about is the September hit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Really, really worried about the September hit. Right. You are. Why is um Why is that then? What um you know what what is what's is it just a what with the weather the weather changing that kind of stuff or is it just uh it'll it'll blow back through and it'll come back through with a vengeance lots more people will um go down lots harder and i asked whether it was because the virus is constantly adapting and and it is viruses i mean Mm -hmm. viruses don't have a host right they're constantly adapting Mm -hmm. um and they said yeah the virus is constantly adapting but but if you use the spanish flu as kind of the model and it's been they told me, so my friend who's an epidemiologist told me 
in pr- probably March 13th, the day I got back, mm-hmm. he told me, watch the Spanish flu. That's the best model you can watch for how this moves. Really? And he's, he's been right on this so far. Yeah. I mean, and so he's, he's the Spanish flu, the first run in, in 1918 globally was pretty devastating when it came back four months later, it, it was incredibly devastating. Right. So that's so, really interesting. I'm, I haven't heard, I haven't, you know, I haven't heard anybody other than yourself say that. And, um, you know, and it's really, it's, it's really just interesting because I think it is, you know, in a way it's uncharted, um, territory that we're going into because, because we probably got a bit complacent and, uh, you know, but, um, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and the knowledge nowadays, outside of the sort of specialists that you talk to is uh, is pretty is pretty pretty low isn't it you know I mean you know you, you listen to just people on in the news and on the radio and it's just you know it's almost like right we'll get to the end of this and then and then and then get back to get back to normal and it's just not going to be like that you know yeah that's that's unfortunate right i mean the the belief that um you're going back to what you left mm. this is a significant intervention mm. i mean this will change so my guess is this will change the way our workplaces look mm-hmm. probably for the rest of our lifetime. Yeah. It's going to change the way we meet and interface with people for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't look for any big safety conferences in the next year or two. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I could, again, it's, we're all guessing, mm-hmm. but where I really think this is going to have the biggest changes, we really have three crises. So we have the global health crises um the pandemic we then have the economic crises which is complexly coupled to the global health crises i guess these are all complexly coupled yeah 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 and then the third one is we have this great sort of psychological crises hmm. so we've got the the amount of grief and guilt and post traumatic stress is going to influence I think how people feel and think about themselves in their workplaces, mm-hmm. it's going to dramatically influence our, our workplace cultures. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, that's going to be interesting to watch because we come out of a world for the last, I don't know, pick a time, 27.6 years that has been aligned towards creating efficiency. Mm-hmm. And our language really talked about it lean and just in time and shareholder value and, you know, we created really business efficiencies. I think we're going to go back into a workplace that is really going to have to align itself towards resilience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, I mean, and I think you said it earlier, I think that's a um, valuable opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing to be known for resilience right now mm-hmm. because I mean, the thing that was obviously missing from this whole event was the ability to be resilient. Mm. I mean, our systems, they buckled fast, man. <laughs> Didn't they just, you know, and, and, and I mean, everywhere, look, you know, but there's a couple yeah, of countries. Every, pretty, pretty much everywhere. I mean, the examples to look at are, uh, unfortunately, the United States. Uh, you guys uh, aren't any better. No, no. Spain, Italy. I mean, these are... These are remarkable societies with incredible healthcare systems that just were so lean and so efficient that that when push came to shove, they didn't have any they didn't have any capacity, they didn't have the ability to act differently. Mm. And so we just counted on the workers just busting their hineys mm-hmm. to make success happen. That's, that's exactly it. How is it over there? Are people freaked out since since Bojo went down? Did that change everything when Bojo went down? Well, I mean, there's, you know, there there is such a divide. You know, you you look at things like Twitter. There's, do you know, there's so much hate in this world. You know, it's it's absolutely oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. And there's uh, hate, there's hate, there's hate in the safety world. I posted this thing on on a uh, this, this kind of innocent comment on rule following, and I just got pounded. Mm. I got, you know, I, I posted a thing on the the Navy captain getting fired for writing the letter. Yeah, yeah, I probably yeah. Got, I probably got 60 hate mails. Really? I mean, hate, like hate mails. Mm-hmm. People telling me how stupid I was. I'm just like, really? This is... This is not a success, you, that, you know? Yeah, when you start a letter <laughs> with, you piece of shit, 
where where do you go from there i mean <laughs> if that's your starting sentence how do you get how do you get madder i mean it's the poor guy the guy that wrote that letter was just like dude yeah you know if that's your opening line i'm done already yeah i mean so, i mean i mean it's a massive it's a massive um uh uh story about them not about you you know the people the people that write that stuff i do um i do quite a bit of work with a with a local business where i live and um and the 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 owner of the business is very very successful he's, a, he's very very successful on on social media and he um you know he he's he's actually almost proud of the amount of uh, the amount of trolls that he's got because it it just shows <laughs> it just shows that he's he's doing the right thing because he's he's challenging you know and he's out there and he's and he's saying stuff and he's and he's getting um he's getting reactions and you've got to have you've got to have a you've got to have i mean you strike me as somebody that's got a got a good hide that you can uh, you can let that roll off quite oh nicely. yeah 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 <laughs> oh, i should tell you it doesn't it doesn't bother with so the great thing about it it for me for the trolls is i just don't read it mm. so then mm-hmm. i mean then it doesn't really bother you at all because no. If you don't read it, then you don't know. Yeah. Plus, I don't know. It just—it's weird how much hate. I mean, it's the—it's the hate thing that's driving me crazy. Mm. Then you're seeing people become strongly nationalistic. It's a. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, I mean, you know, our um, you know, since since 2016, when we had this uh, this this vote on on leaving the European Union, there's yeah, there's been such a there's been such a, a divide within the within the country, and to to a certain extent, it, it felt it felt for a while that this uh, you know, this 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 pandemic was actually sort of bringing people back together. You know, we we're all gonna we we're all gonna sort of get behind get behind the NHS or whatever and uh, and on we go. But you just listen to the just listen to the news bulletins. I mean our, our government go on uh, go on, on T V every night at five o'clock and do a and do a, a piece to, to the state about uh, you know about the current situation and then they have uh, questions with the press. And and the the questions are just so so negative. You got this wrong, you got that wrong, you got this wrong. And everything everything's focused on what went wrong rather than actually saying, you know, what's gone right. Now, you know, there, maybe there isn't a lot that's going right, but, uh, you know, it's you, you, you've got to focus on the positive sometimes, haven't you? Yeah, for sure. For mm. sure. It's just, it is so, it is, it's a really interesting time to be around. How's your podcast doing? It's going really well. So, um, yeah, we're on, um, you know, we're, we're, we have, we've done about 80 episodes now. Mine are, mine are quite, a lot of them are quite short and sharp, um, you know, just a, just a few minutes long, and we have some interviews. Um, it's just, you know, it's just great to do it. It's just lovely are to... Your, are your numbers up? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what... Um, I suppose I don't really know what's good and bad from a numbers perspective. Um, but what I do know is that I've had people contacting me asking me to do a bit of work for them. So, so I'm, I'm noticing. Yeah. So I'm like you. So first of all, I don't really care about the numbers cause I don't really understand hmm. how you get them no. because the numbers that they show me on the podcast service, they tell me are not complete. So then mm-hmm. if they're not complete, then I guess those aren't the numbers. Yeah. So I don't really care about that, but I have noticed that during the pandemic, um, my listener. So we've about tripled. Right. Okay. So where mm-hmm. I used to get 2000, you know, it's just, I get about 4,000 downloads a day, probably. Wow. On, okay. on my service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so now I'm getting like 12,000. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm nowhere near there. So, but, uh, you know, it's, so, um, and I do, I'm, I'm, I do short and sweet. And so yeah. I do about like, I do one or two. So during this thing, I've been doing two 30 minute conversations a week and then a bunch of little short and sweet ones. Mm-hmm. But I guess it must be scratching an itch because I'm really surprised that the numbers are getting higher. Mm-hmm. But uh, I suppose you know people are at home more now; they've got a bit more time to to, to listen. Um, that's definitely the case in in the UK. You know the number. You know, you know my numbers. My numbers are up. You know they're not. They're not. They're not anywhere near yourself. But then I've I've only been going sort of eight months, nine months. Yeah. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a process, isn't it? That, uh, but for me, yeah, and I- it really is. It's a process. And I've been in it like six years mm-hmm. and it, it really grows. You'll mm-hmm. see it like mm-hmm. the third year you start. I mean, you, that's when it starts to grow. So, but it, just don't care about it. If you don't care about the numbers then, and if you're getting work from it, phew, <laughs> argument over. 
And I'll tell you, the, I think the most important thing that I'm getting from it is is I'm getting the, the opportunity to speak to people that actually challenge my thinking. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've, I've met, you know, I've, I've met and I've also talked like we are now with um, you know, just some, some really interesting people that, that make me think a little bit differently about how I do things. And so, so from a personal perspective, it's, you know, it, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a better person from doing this podcast without, it, without a doubt, without a shadow of doubt. Oh, that's, that's a great thing to say. Holy cow. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's true. You know, there's, there's, you know I, I have a different outlook on, on, on quite a lot of stuff. And, um, and probably a little, and I think it's a great, um, it's a great way to sort of vent a bit of frustration as well. If you, you, know, you can have a, you can yeah. have a little rant, and even if you don't, even if you don't put it on the air, you know, and put a, put it out as an episode, you've still you've still got it out your system through your through your microphone or whatever it is. And uh, I just find that I find that quite a uh, you know quite therapeutic as well. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So and you know, and you've been you've been a big part of that, sir. You know, so I really I really appreciate the uh, you know you you linking up with us because um, I just I just found. You know the the sort of things that you talk about, and you know just the way that you challenge. Uh, you know, there was there was one. You know, one of the things that we were hoping to talk about today was um, I can remember you talking about rules in the workplace, and you know, and I, I suppose I've come from quite a traditional health and safety background. You know, and I've uh, you know, and I've worked uh, you know, I've worked in businesses, and and I. I can remember, you know, standing up, running training courses, and and showing the the accident triangle, and and putting rules in place, and all that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, you know, and and thinking that I was making a difference. And that was that was a funny thing about it. You know, I really thought, and we probably did to a certain extent, because going from going from maybe where the business was to where it wants to be is a bit of a journey. And and, and so we we took it down a certain way. But but just listening to the stuff that yourself and Sydney talk about, it's just it's just really fascinating. You know, and uh, this whole this whole human human performance, and you know, challenging people, you know, challenging management to take to manage. Really, I think is what you're what you're trying to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's been a really fun ride, and it's and it's really impactful. I mean, it really makes a huge difference. Organizations get better, and they they uh, kill fewer people, and so I mean, it's it seems like a really good way to go, and it's kind of fun because it's you are sort of bucking against the orthodoxy and mm-hmm. somebody needs to buck against the orthodoxy, like the, the triangle, right? The Heinrich pyramid. Mm-hmm. Nobody really questioned that for a long, long time. No. And yet when you look at it now, you realize, well, there really is no connection between frequency and severity. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there never has been a connection between frequency and severity. No, that's right. So then that becomes really an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, um, you know, I think one of the, um, you know, I suppose the the way that I the way that I work um, is probably a probably a, a lower level than yourself um, in respect to you know to businesses. I, I do quite a lot of, you know, on, stuff on the ground. Um, you know, helping helping businesses put risk assessments together, um, and and that kind of stuff. And um, and I, and I suppose it's, um, you know, it's. You know, it's it's getting the people at the top of the business to, to really change their thinking because a lot of them have been indoctrinated over the years about the the triangle and all of that, and and it's, yeah. it's, it's getting them to change their their view and their approach. How do you how do you how do you go about that? I mean, what, what's your you know without without giving everything away, obviously, but what what's your start, sort of starting point? How do you? So I give everything away. It's yeah. So okay. I think the most important tool we have is generosity. Yeah, and no, generosity is really key to success. So it, so everything I'll give away. Mm. So I. The problem with that question is, is um, it's, I don't, I don't know how it happened, mm-hmm. but there's the two. The one is that when you have access to the senior leadership team, use it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is, I don't know how to tell you to get access because mm-hmm. it's hard. Mm-hmm. I, I know a couple things for sure. One is that the the next switch in safety is not a switch at the worker level. Mm-hmm. Workers are really pretty darn good at being safe mm. and are constantly trying to be safer. Yep. And the old adage is true. Nobody comes to work and wants to have an accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that's true. Mm. The next change in safety is really a shift in how management thinks about leading safety. Mm. And that big shift, which I talk about all the time is pretty easy. I mean, I can summarize it for you. 
it's changing the way they think about the workers. So they move from thinking the worker is the problem to be fixed, mm -hmm. which is traditional safety orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. We make safety programs better by making workers safer mm -hmm. to realizing that the worker is really the solution, mm -hmm. that workers are problem solvers mm -hmm. and that they understand at a much more profound level how our systems work, where our systems are strong and where our systems are weak. The shift though, because I'm not ditching your question, I promise, the shift is to help the work, help the leadership understand that change. Mm -hmm. And what I found to be most effective is to get them to redefine safety. So how do you define safety? What's your definition of safety? What do you, I mean, if somebody asks you that question, I guess somebody is asking you that question. I'm doing it right now. What's your definition of safety? Um, it's the, it's the presence, the presence of control. I think yes. is, is, is how so, I like, is how I like to look at it. You know, um, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of businesses look at things. Um, you know, where we haven't had any accidents in the last uh, two years or eighteen months or twelve months or whatever it may be. You know, and it's, uh, but you know, it's it's really. But how have you achieved that? You know, and and, and have you achieved right. that because you've got the control in place, or or have you tossed the coin and it's come up heads? You know. Yeah, were you were you good or were you lucky, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that definition you gave is really a good definition. If mm -hmm. I stopped ten leaders in companies you work with, would they give the same definition? Mm -hmm. And the challenge is, especially at the leadership level, is what they measure and count is the absence of failure, mm -hmm. the absence of injury. Really, if you mm -hmm. if you push me, yeah. And so they see safety as really the absence of of an accident. Mm -hmm. When in reality, the workers will tell you safety is the presence of capacity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's it's the ability to act and to make a difference. Once that shift happens at the leadership level, mm -hmm. you're home free. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take them long to get it. I mean, longer than probably a normal worker, but it's not a long time. The question is, is how do you get access? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the access that that part's hard. Mm -hmm. um, I think it helps to have books. Yep. Mm hmm. I really do. I mean, I think that gives you some instant credibility. I don't know if it should give you instant credibility, but it does give you credibility. Mm -hmm. I think like the podcast helps get access because a lot of people listen to it. And then I also think what you charge, um, mm -hmm. believe it or not, mm -hmm. has a lot to do with the access you get in the organization. If you're expensive, yeah, you get to talk to the boss. Yeah. <laughs> because well, yeah. you cost a yeah. lot of money, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It, but if you're cheap, Mm -hmm. then the, you never get to talk to the boss because their time is really valuable and they don't have time mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. but the last thing I would add is that unfortunate, maybe is unfortunate the right word? Uh, a lot of times I come in after really a serious thing has happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So something really bad took place. Mm -hmm. uh, people are dead or something really uh, horrible transpired. And then you have really uh, amazing access Mm. And you can actually sit sit in a room and tell them their baby's ugly mm. and they'll listen to you because they're usually quite in shock and quite freaked out. Mm. But that's mm -hmm. a really good, that's a hard question, but it's a really good question to ask mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. a lot of people getting the access to their leadership team is really hard, mm -hmm. e even in, inside the company. Yeah. But that's where the change has to happen. It has to start. <coughs> it has to, well, I don't know if that's to start there, but there has to be a change in the way they perceive the workforce. Mm -hmm. We, um, when I when I worked for for my for a, a large uh, organization a few years back, we um, we got a guy. Do you know Do you know a guy called Peter McKee? Have you come across Peter? No. No. Okay. Oh. P Peter Peter's um, pretty much retired now, but he used to be uh, he used to be CEO of Dupont many years ago, and uh, um, he was also the chair of the health and safety executive in Northern Ireland. And um, and he's from he's from Northern Ireland, really really nice oh, really? guy. And he um and he came around and did uh, he did this this thing called visible visible felt leadership. You may have heard yeah. you may have heard of that. I'm that familiar with that from from Dupont stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So and it was just again it was just really that was really great because that was that was that was getting the the management in the business to to actually get out of their out of their safe zone and get out into the workplace where 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 stuff was happening and and challenge and ask questions and and you know and just and, and i think one of the one of the big issues that we found was that, that that some of those people 
were really, really uncomfortable at doing that. <laughs> you know, they just didn't, they didn't like going out and talking to people. And, uh, you know, just because I suppose they, they've, they've been in their, you know, they've been in their, their, their safe zone, their, their, their office, their ivory tower or whatever it was. But I just found that, I found that really good. You know, I spent a lot of time going around the country with him, spending time out talking to people. It's just brilliant. How do you think that'll play out post pandemic? Because we've had a really interesting thing happen where we have these essential workers that are running, you know, Tesco and, mm-hmm. and the gas station and, you know, transportation. And we have all these other workers read that as kind of leadership and administrative workers who are working from home. Mm-hmm. That division strikes me as, as relatively, um, important to think about f- mm. from a safety position because mm-hmm. I, I would think a really good question to ask is uh, if if we kept the groceries on the shelves in Tesco without our leadership, why do we need our leadership? Mm. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. a kind of a fair question, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, that's... if we were able to provide the product during a time of high crisis and stress without our administrative leadership team. Why do we need our leadership team? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is uh, that's an, that is an interesting interesting question, isn't it? So uh, you know, and it's um, and I think um, you know, I think it's 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 really it's about it's about I suppose being able to to get more clarity on what people are actually doing and what they're actually delivering into the business because because not every important role is the is the customer facing role although the customer facing role is important you know and it's 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 about being able to being able to be open and honest and transparent and, and really challenge you know what a you know where each person fits into the cog to make a you know to make that 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 wheel turn successfully yeah mhm mhm yeah, no, that's uh, no, that's uh, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. I, yeah, I don't. I didn't mean to scare anybody, but I mean it's <laughs> uh, it's something I think about because why wouldn't you think about it? I, to me, the most important question I'd ask when we came back is I would do two things. I would go out and actually look at how work is being done now mm-hmm. because it's clearly being done differently than it was before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So lots of rules have been thrown out, lots of approvals where once you had to get three signatures on a lockout tag out. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to get three signatures because two of those signatures are working from home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're now we're down to one signature, but did we kill anybody? Does the lockout tag out still work? Yeah. I would ask this question, how is work happening now? And then the next question I would ask almost immediately is what did you guys miss while we were gone? Yeah. Yeah. And then, that list would become important because that really is the function that the non-customer facing workers provide to the workforce. Mm -hmm. And then everything else, I would guess you could just sort of cleave out and throw away. And Mm -hmm. maybe you don't need three signatures on your lock and tag permission slip Mm -hmm. because you clearly, when it, when it got to the important time, when we were in crisis, we gave up two of those signatures Mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And did we get more dangerous? Mm-hmm. You'll mm-hmm. just have to ask. I mean, it's a really interesting question to ask. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, yeah, it's going to hey, it's going to be interesting. And it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, how consultation and communication, um, you know, works and, you know, and how people do engage, you know, because because for a while after, you know, when we when when we do get lifted, you know, I, I walk I walk down the street now and, um, you know, I was I went to the supermarket this morning and uh, everything's marked out two meters and and everybody's keeping their distance from everybody and, there's, and nobody's, uh, you know, nobody's uh, really engaging and, 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 and that's, there's going to be that in the workplace, isn't there? There's going to be, oh, there's sure. going to be this, this, this scare, scaredness, I suppose, of, of, of oh, engaging. Sure. I think it's going to be a combination of fear, uh, anxiety, and a combination of grief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of grief for what's been lost. Yeah. So and not, not just people, although that's a significant, there, there will be people with, with, loss there but also sort of a loss of innocence a loss of the old way because mm-hmm. uh, because some stuff's not coming back i mean <coughs> uh and, and i'm not sure i mean i'm not sure it should come back but mm. it's you know the 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 lexan screen between you and the cashier mm-hmm. is probably not a bad idea mm. 
mm-hmm. and one wonders if they'll take them back down mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if they'll make them more permanent. Yeah. And that's a good question, right? And those are the questions we should be really thinking about. Hopefully we'll bounce forward out of this, mm-hmm. but to do that, we've got to change our metaphor of what we're going through. Mm-hmm. This isn't, we can't look at this like a storm, right? When the storm is over, we'll go out and clean up the yard and go back to our lives. This is a this is a big change in how we identify and how how really things happen. How work is done is a, is a pretty good way to think about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I um I do I, I I'm based uh, just north of London, um, and I do quite a bit of work up in Scotland, and I've just been chatting chatting to the clients that I I have been going up to once a quarter and spending some time with them on uh, on site and just saying look if i if we do like we're doing now a, a lot of what i do when i'm up there we could do like this and, and and what it means is is rather than me coming up for for two days uh for two days a quarter i can actually do this every month with you for for a half a day or a day and we can we can just get plans and programs and, 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 and we can actually really challenge how, how things improve and we can get traceability and it's not going to cost you anymore because there's no flights, there's no hotels, there's no travel costs. You know, we're going to be able to do so much more for, for the, for the, for the same amount of money. And, you know, and they've just been really open to that, you know, and, and people just really like the idea of, of doing things differently, you know, but you might lose your airline status. <laughs> you won't be cubic zirconian level of, of flight. you don't get to get on the plane first oh no you might have to pay for a bag oh no the uh to be fair the the, the, the company that i used uh, went bust so uh, they were called flyby and they uh, they went bust just before the uh just before this all kicked off so they uh, did i yeah i have a great flyby story i tell it all the time i i, I uh yeah i always used to fly fly because they go places where i wanted to go yeah, so yeah. Uh-huh. I like them. Yeah, no, no, nice, a nice, um, you know, nice, a nice business. What's um, what's the what's the weather like with you at the moment? Then is it quite nice out there, or is it? Yeah, it's going to be really nice today. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be really, really mild. And uh, so I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I live pretty high up in yeah. the mountain. Mm-hmm. And uh, today it's supposed to be almost seventy degrees for us, which will be dreamy. Mm-hmm. And so I'll sit outside and. Uh, I have a nice little outside area for the day and yeah. work on this dumb book. So what's uh, that about then? What's the book about? Can you say so this, this book? I started this book before all this pandemic started. Um, it's uh, it's about how an organization needs to respond to a fatality. Okay. So, and it, it, the premise of it is that when a fatality happens, um, you really want to restore the organization's ability to do high-risk work confidently mm-hmm. while improving. You don't want to go back to the way they did it, but you want to go back to a way that's better than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to call it, I don't know what I'm going to call it, but uh, it's the premise of it so far is kind of when the worst thing happens. I think so. COVID, and it's not a book I wanted to write, but uh, it seems like a, uh, a book that probably we should write. Because I don't think people talk about this much. No, no, I think I think you're right. I think COVID twenty will be a good name for the book. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I've you know, in, in my career, I've been involved in a few fatal accident investigations, and it's um, you know, it's it's quite interesting when you see when you see the businesses and you see how how people, I suppose their natural reaction is to try and distance themselves from, from what's happened in a lot of yeah. cases. And they're, yeah. you know, and they, and, and, and my, my role, my role uh, was, was, and, and it is now as well is to, is to do the exact opposite of that. You know, my role is to, is to get in there and to, you know, and to, to, to work with the, you know, there's often the enforcing agencies that are, that are, um, that are involved. And, uh, and I suppose really just trying to find, find that way through and, and I must admit, I've you know, you know, I don't, I don't know how OSHA perform with uh, you know with these things, but but my experience over here has been has been when something's gone wrong, the health and safety executive have just been really really supportive, and uh, been really really helpful, and yeah. and and actually helped helped to get to the end. I suppose because we've been you know a support a company that's trying to do things the right way, and something's gone wrong, and uh, you know, and I suppose that they've 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 helped us along that route. 
but it's uh, it's pretty tough and you know it's uh you know it'd be, it'd be an, an interesting read when it comes out i must admit i look forward to uh to having a having a, say look forward to you know it'd be interesting to have a look have a read of that about how you how you put that into place yeah uh yeah I don't, yeah uh it's it's interesting it's it's not a very fun thing to do because mm-hmm. it's not a very fun topic mm-hmm. um but it's it's i think it's well we'll see i mean uh, it's i don't know I, unfortunately i've done a whole bunch of fatalities and you're right the regulator is usually quite helpful because the organization's in shock what i find is that is that we don't do enough care and feeding of the leadership team mm-hmm. and they really have to make a choice pretty early whether they're going to look at this and learn or look at this and blame Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the liability actions the attorneys and stuff like that really push them into a position where they they look for fault they deal with counterfactuals and they find places where the worker did something they should not have done which then led to this horrible accident happening Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is kind of the opposite of actually getting better Mm -hmm. and so i i spend an awful lot of time kind of sounds like you do too sitting with the people and saying you know a really bad thing happened and you're not going to get to zero this year, but now you have to make a choice. Do you want to come out of this better, stronger, mm-hmm. or do you want to just come out of this wounded? Mm. And, um, and that seems to be a, it's a hard conversation to have, but it's, it seems to be the right conversation to have. Cause if you can really align them towards, uh, coming out of this stronger, mm-hmm. they get, they get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the um you know one of the things that I loved uh you know when I've been listening to you is 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 um is this ter- this term that you use about um about how how management weaponize stuff and how they you know somebody uh you know somebody um you know for whatever reason makes a wrong call makes a mistake we all make mistakes people make mistakes and then and then and then they get they get they get pointed out they get blamed they get you should have done this you should have done that and and it, and it doesn't get you anywhere does it it just uh you know it just it just drives people to silence and yeah it's it's almost the opposite right mm-hmm. not only does it not get you anywhere it kind of moves you backwards mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. crazy thing about blame is that blame stops improvement mm-hmm. and i mean it seems like after you say that you're you should drop the microphone and leave the stage because mm-hmm. i mean if if you're stopping improvement then what are you doing mm-hmm. i mean if you're not getting better then we don't really need you as a leader mm-hmm. i mean the organization can't afford to have somebody who doesn't improve mm-hmm. i mean we're constantly improving yeah so that becomes a really interesting part of how you think of it as well mm-hmm. and do you find i mean you know when you're in in these uh you know in with these senior management teams then you must you must have the situation where some people in that team get it pretty early on and some just maybe some maybe never get it how do yeah. you <laughs> how do you how do you manage that then how do you work your, do you do you let the do you let the herd manage that or do you try to manage it how do you how do you how do you work on those sort of things that's actually a really good that, that's a really good comment so oftentimes the herd peer pressure will push people once sort of once you you get past the the tipping point Mm-hmm. then they'll sort of push the laggards along. But, you know, there's a real development curve, right? I mean, you've got early adopters and you've got laggards and everything in between, yeah. and that's really normal and quite predictable. Mm-hmm. The thing that I try to remember is when a, when a leader pushes back on you and says this is stupid or they say, you know, I'm not going to give up the old way or I have to hold people accountable or I need to punish people, mm-hmm. right? What they're telling you is not that they're there to argue, what they're telling you is that you haven't done a good job teaching them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so instead of getting defensive, what I try to do is get instructive. Mm-hmm. So when they push back really hard, I take that as a data point and think, okay, I need to go back to first principles. I clearly missed this guy mm-hmm. when I talked about the fact that people make mistakes and that blame fixes nothing and that failure is usually a product of a system. Mm-hmm. not an individual behavior individual behavior probably triggered the event yeah but the greater system allowed that that failure to be successful mm-hmm. and so i i i try to work that way mm-hmm. it helps that i'm a i'm a really a big person because <laughs> i i think that gives me sort of some power in the room probably 
Do you wear high heels as well? I do. I wear high heels. <laughs> really nice lipstick. <laughs> yeah, I wear high heels. <laughs> what do you feel about? Um, um, I mean, one of the one of the things that, that that we have in our in our the way that we do things, our legislation over here is you have a you have a health and safety policy, and you have a, um, a structure, and then you have these duties and responsibilities for individuals. Do right? You, do you do you feel that that is um, you know that there's there's real relevance to that? Because I know you know when I when I've sort of been listening to you, I know that you, I think one of the things that you said you were talking about rules, and you were saying right. you know rules. Rules shouldn't be something that you um, that you you penalise people for for breaking. Rules, I think, should be the starting point of you looking at what tasks need better control in place. Right. But how do you feel about duties and responsibilities? Do you think it's important that it's really, really clearly laid out what's expected of people? I mean, how do, how, is there is there a conflict there or not? Well, so there's two things I would say. One is that accountability is better when it's seen as forward looking. Okay. So an accountability discussion, uh, a discussion on roles, responsibilities, authorities, and, and those kind of things, duties, mm-hmm. that's a really good conversation to have before an event happens. Yep. Not after. After, it's a culpability discussion. But before mm-hmm. an event happens, that's good. Mm-hmm. The downside of it is, is that plans have a really difficult time managing variability. Mm-hmm. And so the problem with duties and responsibilities is that they seem very complete and clear this is very black and white. Mm-hmm. And yet the world in which we put work is very gray. Yeah. And so the best duties and responsibilities discussion in the world, the, the best procedure or protocol for accountability will always be insufficient when it's met with sort of context. Yeah. So, well, the pandemic's a really great example of that. We have very clear sets of rules that exist in organizations globally. And yet when you remove a majority of the workforce, make them go home and work from home, and you tell people, don't go out or you'll get sick and die, a lot of those duties and responsibilities changed immediately. The one I think about is teachers in schools. Mm -hmm. So on a Friday, they let their kids go. And somewhere that Friday evening, they were told, you're going to be teaching via the web from home starting Monday. Mm-hmm. Yep. We completely changed the duties and responsibilities of the teaching faculty in our schools globally. Mm-hmm. And we did it over a weekend. Yep. And what we counted on was not the amazing administrative team, the great leadership team to make that successful. We counted on each individual teacher to step up to the plate and creatively and adaptively become an expert in teaching over Zoom. Mm, mm-hmm. And it mostly worked. Mm, mm-hmm. You couldn't write a duties and responsibilities form that could have predicted that would happen, and yet it happened. And yet it happened so that, yeah. that's kind of where I go with that. Mm. It's think- really important, though. I should, say, I should say the accountability discussion is really one you want to have. Mm-hmm. Um, for normal, stable operations, yep. you have to build enough latitude in there to allow workers to creatively and adaptively solve problems in real time mm. without being punished for it. I like I like that thinking. Yeah, you have you have your you have your duties and responsibilities for normal operation, and uh, and 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 you give. You know, I mean, we've got you know. Our workforces are just full of experts, absolutely full of experts, and 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 it's about it's about giving them the the room to be able to to be able to show their worth, isn't it? Yeah, but you have to change the philosophy to those guys are the expert. They're not the problem; they're the mm. experts. Mm. And yet, when something fails, we go back and say they should have done this. They mm. failed to do that. They mm. needed to do this. Mm. And unfortunately. That always answers the question. I mean, every time an accident happens, I promise you, workers didn't follow the procedure mm-hmm. and somebody made a bad judgment, a mistake, mm-hmm. right? They, mm-hmm. they screwed up. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is every time they're successful, those two things are still true. Mm-hmm. There were great places where they didn't follow the procedure <laughs> and bad decisions were made. They were just recoverable. So the, the ability to recover, um, David Woods calls it extensibility. 
mm-hmm. which is a great word. Actually, he calls it graceful extensibility, which is even a better set of words. Mm-hmm. That becomes a really important part of, of how you look at and think about it. Mm-hmm. I know you, um, you know, you, you talk an awful lot about, um, about building capacity into, into the processes, you know, um, you know, so people can, can, can fail safely, you know, to fail in it. How do you, how, how do you go about applying that practically? Cause it, you know, I suppose it's, you know, I, I, if I, if I was going to say to a, to a guy at the sharp end of a business, right, we're going to build some capacity. He's going to look at me and go, what are you talking about? So, you know, how do you, how do you get that message right the way through the business so that so that people really understand what it what it means so that's a really good question i'm not in love with the word capacity but i can't think of a better word if you can think of a better word i want to i'd like to steal it from you (laughs) what you ask people is when variability happens does the organization have the ability to bend Mm -hmm. and recover or does the organization snap yeah And so you say, when you have, gosh, the examples I used to use before COVID were, seems so innocent and stupid now, but you know, I would say, do you have enough extra parts Mm -hmm. so that if a truck is late, you can still produce Mm -hmm. and they're going to say, well, yeah, we keep, you know, two days additional parts Mm -hmm. in our storehouse just in case there's some kind of problem with transportation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, then you say, okay, that's capacity. That That's capacity that impacts the bottom line. Do you have that same capacity built in your system? And mm-hmm. one of the ways that we've been most successful with it, usually post-fatality always, so you have kind of a burning platform to work from, is getting leaders to shift from if a system fails to when a system fails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you're looking at uncertain outcomes, you want to look at it with certain capacities. So shifting that idea from, so you ask a worker, <laughs> what's the highest risk thing you do? What will kill you? And they'll mm-hmm. tell you. And then the next question you say is when it happens, because mm-hmm. we don't have perfect systems, don't right. have perfect people, don't have perfect processes, don't have perfect conditions. When it happens, what do you count on to not die? Mm-hmm. So a great example, um, you give me long enough, I'll think of examples. A great example would be fall protection. Yep. You don't manage fall protection by asking workers to not fall. Mm-hmm. You manage fall protection by investing in, uh, you know, fall protection. Yep. You, you invest in restraints and lanyards and harnesses. And you have workers in fall protection because you don't know when they'll fall. Mm-hmm. You don't even know who will fall. Mm. but you know, someone will fall. Mm-hmm. And when they fall, you want that fall protection, not to stop the fall, mm. but to actually stop the landing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it definitely does. Definitely does. It's um... That's a hard question. You shouldn't ask that hard a question. It's morning here. <laughs> Sorry about that. What, what time is it? Is it about 10, is it? Yeah, it's only, it's 10.47. Oh, is it? Okay. So you haven't started, uh, you haven't started drinking yet then? So. No, not yet. No, too early. <laughs> Got to wait 13 minutes. <laughs> well, that'd be gin, will it? We have some gin. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, one of the, I mean, one of the things that um that, that we talk about is is also is 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 when you know when something does go wrong, you know, say a breakdown occurs, um, you know, the, trying to change the management's questioning, you know, and you know, because they, they often the very very first question that ever gets asked if something breaks down is how long is it going to take, you know, and it's and it's really saying well, you know, how's that helping the situation? How, who does that question help? And it and it and it doesn't help. It definitely doesn't help the person that's doing the maintenance. And um, you know, and so it's it's almost saying you, you you may need to know that information because because you've got customers and you've got uh, you know people that are going to be affected by the fact that it's broken down. But just saying, you know, rather than how long is it going to take, say how long do you need? And it's just just switching just switching that question around yeah. a little bit can have a can have a big big impact on 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 the way people feel. Yep. And, and that's a really great example of seeing the employee as the expert, not as the problem. Mm-hmm. And then also understanding at a fundamental level that the biggest tool leaders have is the ability to form questions. Mm-hmm. So the if you want better answers from your organization, ask better questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, the, and mm-hmm. the pressure to fix always outweighs the pressure to learn. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you have to really be cognizant as a leader that the pressure to fix is really strong, mm-hmm. but the pressure to learn is where the organization actually becomes recoverable. That's where that capacity lives. Mm-hmm, and capacity is really important because it's the ability to do something, right? So you, you ask the question, when this system fails, what's our plan? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for lots of significant business systems, as it relates to business continuity, we have plans. Mm-hmm. I think you're seeing a great example now of where we didn't have plans. Mm. So we didn't have continuity plans built into the system. So we're adaptively making them as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. And you'll really see it when people start re-entering the workforce. Mm. So I was on a call yesterday where they were talking about doing ABC shifts. So they divide the workforce into three parts. They bring in A shift for two weeks, B shift for two weeks, C shift for two weeks, or every other day. And that way, if one shift gets sick you still have two other shifts to count on okay so that's a much different way to think about managing work we've not thought about it that way in the past no that's right Um, or even places where a a big utility company in the united states has created a second administrative office in a different building and so not only do they have an a shift and b shift Mm -hmm. but they have different buildings in which they work Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's capacity, right? That's mm-hmm. the ability. If, if it's not, if somebody gets sick, when somebody gets sick, what's, what's our response to that going to look like? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good. How do you feel? Um, how do you feel about, about things like, you know, risk assessments and, and safe systems of work and method statements and, and that kind of stuff? What's, um, you know, what's your views? What's your views on that? So risk assessments for the most part are done to manage resource, not to manage risk. Mm-hmm. Right. So we do risk assessments to figure out where to spend our time, energy, efforts, and money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, they really don't have a lot of, of value because it's really not about the presence of risk. Risk is really normal. Mm-hmm. It's really about the presence of controls. Yeah. So, so I would push organizations not to do traditional risk assessments based upon probability versus severity, which is kind of a dumb way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I would do risk assessments based upon criticality of the process, how, how significant is this process, and then how many safeguards are in place. Mm-hmm. So look for the absence of control, not the presence of risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you have a high-risk process where you just have very few controls, you're operating on luck, Yep. That actually should be one you should pay attention to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a, but that's a really, really, really different way to look at mm-hmm. risk assessment. Mm. And it's hard for people to think of it that way. But if you think about your real life, you don't really think a lot about the presence of risk. You think about the absence of controls. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to do this, this is really risky. I don't have any control for it. I'm going to put in some controls before I do the job. Mm-hmm. so right if so i'm going to bake a cake and it's really important that i bake a cake i'm going to make sure i have enough ingredients to bake two cakes because the first one if i screw it up i don't want to go back to the store to buy ingredients to make the second one yeah. right and i um i see i see lots of uh i see lots of documents that uh that, that, that you know risk assessments and and, and and method statements and all that 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 tell you what not to do and I, right. and, I, and, I, and I really, you know, I just, I just challenge that. You know, you're talking about baking a cake. You know, if I, if I got a recipe that told me what not to do, it wouldn't be a lot of help to me. You know, if I want to, yeah. make, a, if I want to make a strawberry, a strawberry gateau, and the first thing it says to me is, um, don't put in any blueberries. Yeah. That's, it's right, but it ain't really helpful, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's not helpful at all. It's not helpful that, at all. That's a good way to take that. I mean, so that that's... I, it's, I don't know how popular that is. I know that organizations that are really good at being reliable have sort of given up. Uh, ri- they just assume risk is present in, in all, all they do. Mm-hmm. Everything's risky. I mean, you, you really, you don't get to manage risk. Risk is just a part of the fabric of how work happens. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. you manage is your capacity to have risky work. Mm-hmm. So you manage controls, fall protection. So how do they? So how do those businesses then? How do they? How do they go about sort of documenting that then? Do they? You know, do, or do, or do they? Or are they relying on the people being just so, so competent at what they do that they they almost 
don't need to don't need to document it. Where, where does well, it, so, where's the barrier? So you, answered, you answered your own question. Mm-hmm. Even organizations that have really aggressive uh, risk programs and protocols mm-hmm. still rely on their workers being so competent that they manage risk in real time. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no getting around it. You're counting on the people adaptively solving problems in real times. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things you 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 sort of say to them, and this is really controversial, but it's really important, is for a long time we gave people stop work authority. You familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So if you see something happening, you have the authority to stop a job mm. for any reason at any time to create safety. Well, that's stupid because that basically assumes the worker's psychic yep. and they can see a failure before it happens. Yep. What we ought to be giving workers is start work authority. Mm. If we're going to give you a job and you can do it, but the right controls are not in place, you have permission to not start that job until the controls are present. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll support you. We'll reward you. You get a pizza and a, and a, and a card for, uh, you know, uh, Tesco, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A, a gift card. Mm. We'll, we'll give you that if you choose to not start a job because the controls aren't in place. Mm. And so you're actually moving the calculus from predicting failure before it happens, psychic power, <laughs> yep. to actually managing controls before the work starts. And so what that's, what that's doing is that's, um, that, and I really, I really agree with you there, um, but that's putting a, a, the, the, the planning and the organizing of that job right onto the manager where it should be, who has then got to get that, get those controls, get that, that stuff in place to allow the worker to do, to do what he needs to do. Yeah. The basic controls that we think are necessary to be present, to do that work safely Mm -hmm. should be in that job before the job starts. We can't predict every control because we can't predict everywhere it'll fail, Mm -hmm. but we're Mm -hmm. pretty good at predicting controls. And what we're not good at is making sure the controls are present. Mm -hmm. So if you start a job without the right controls in place and it fails, it's going to fail catastrophically because the controls aren't in place. I mean, my whole premise on fatalities is, is, fatalities are not a failure of prevention mm. they're a failure of control yeah and and I, I don't know if that makes sense to people who hear that because i don't know if they think about the difference between the word prevention and control mm-hmm. and i don't even know if they should i mean maybe i need a hobby but <laughs> i can tell you that people don't die because the organization failed to prevent the accident. The organization's doing everything in its power to not have an accident. Mm -hmm. They die because when the accident happened, there were, there was no recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the businesses, I mean, I I suppose I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm quite black and white in how I think a lot of the time, not, not always, but you know, you know, but the, the businesses then are really successful rather than having a, Rather than having a risk assessment and a safe system of work on how to do the job, they're going to have some kind of some kind of checks and balances that they have in place to make sure that those controls are there and are in place to allow the job to go ahead. And so I think be- they have a they have to have some kind of combination of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure one is exclusive of the other, okay. but we we generally look at the risk assessment as job being done. So if you mm. do a good risk assessment, you're done. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I mean, mm. that's half the work. Yeah. You got to yeah. do the risk assessment, then you got to actually implement the controls. You yeah. have to implement the safeguards and you have to check to see if they're in place and functioning. Yeah. Do the safeguards have efficacy? Do they work? Mm-hmm. Have we tested them? Yeah. And during the pandemic, we're testing a lot of administrative safeguards yep. and learning that they're not very robust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. That's 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 great. I mean, you know, that's uh you know that 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 makes that makes so much sense. You know, it's about um, you know, it's just about making sure that we you you know you you do things you do things the, the right way. You know, it's as it's as simple as that. And the people that that do the job know how to do it because they do it every day. You know, and yeah. they, and they're successful. They're successful every day. You yeah, know? mostly but, successful, right? Yeah. And they know where your system's strong and good. So they know where your good procedures are. Mm-hmm. They also know where your bad procedures are. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty good bet if they do the job every day, they've mm-hmm. built a whole set of safeguards around the bad procedures so they can still do the work, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. 
And I think you know one of the one of the mistakes that we uh, that you know we make in industry is that we just don't go and talk to the people enough, and just get their feedback on what works and what doesn't work. You know, and, which which so. is just um, I, I I can't believe I make my living by telling companies to talk to their workers. Yeah, yeah. It seems dumb to me. Well, I don't know why they don't do it. It's just dumb. And there's so many, there's so many benefits, and there's so many benefits from from just going out and talking, and you know, just you just create a better a better place of work. People feel included. People feel you know that their 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 opinions count. That uh, you know that they've got a voice. You know, there's just there's just so many benefits from doing it. And from a leadership angle, you get better data quicker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if I can tell you, if I can go in and do your company and say I can give you better, more reliable information faster, mm-hmm. I would think you'd want to hire me. Mm. And then when you hire me, you'd be so disappointed because I'd say, okay, go talk to your workers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's got to be disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, how, much, how much longer have you got? How are you doing for time? A couple more minutes for sure. Pardon? A couple more minutes for yeah. sure. Can um can we just um just you know one of the one of the things that I've heard you speak about is this this whole how how people in different um in different parts of an organisation perceive their workplace um you know and it has different um it has different meanings to people and I just wondered if you don't mind just sort of you know explaining a little bit about about what you mean by that and about how how getting into the shoes of the people at the sharp end you know, and getting their perception on things can, can make a big difference. Do you mind yes, so, talking a bit about so that? The, yeah, so the difference, there's a huge difference between the way we think work happens and the way work actually happens. Mm-hmm. And by definition, the farther away you get away from the work, the less accurate your understanding of how the work is done is. And that's true of every level of the organization. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you are, everybody's got a sharp end of the stick, right? And everybody sees the work that they do differently than the work that was planned to do. Mm-hmm. And so one of the most important gifts, I think, that this new safety stuff has introduced into the world, which when you say it out loud, seems kind of goofy, but is the ability to understand that the way we perceive work being done is always different than the way work's actually done. Mm. Which then says, if we want to understand work, we have to understand what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. So one of the reentry strategies for post COVID-19, whether you you pay somebody rich and famous to do a plan for you, or you create it in the back of your shop has to be to ask this question probably really early. Mm -hmm. And that is how are we doing work now? Mm -hmm. Because it's different than it was two months ago. And we need to understand what's going on. The Mm -hmm. reason we want to ask that is because we can't move forward in managing operations, quality, safety, environmental, all the things we have to manage. We can't move forward until we understand how the work is done. Mm -hmm. So the enemy of the question is always the answer. Mm -hmm. If we believe we know how work should be done, we don't ever have to go and ask how work is actually being done. Mm -hmm. And so Edgar Schein talks about humble leadership we really are saying leaders have to be curious or have enough humility to realize that they don't really know what's actually going on in their facility mm-hmm. when it comes to the operational details of getting work done. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's and mature leaders know that really good leaders. You've worked with good leaders within your career. Mm-hmm. Mature leaders really understand that they understand mm-hmm. that the workers bring an expertise to performing work mm-hmm. that management doesn't have, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you have to be brave enough or humble enough to understand that that exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Todd, that's, um, that's, that's brilliant. You know, I really, I really appreciate her. I, really I don't know if it's that. brilliant. Uh, it's probably less than brilliant, but 
<laughs> no, I like it. I really like it. You know, I think, you know, just getting just getting people, you know, you, everything you're talking about is just about getting people out there challenging and asking questions and engaging and talking and, and it's you know, and it's it's and and it's actually, you know, if you think about it, it's actually a really lovely thing for people to do. You know, to go and you know, the the challenge is gonna be is how do we do this in this new in this new era? How do we do and, this in an environment where the first thing we have to do is redefine safety. So safety Actually, maybe we should say resilience because I, I think I think our safety language now really carries across the organization. Mm-hmm. So yeah. resilience yeah. is not the absence of variability. It's the presence of capacity. Mm-hmm. And then our biggest job, near as I could tell, is to get leaders to understand that workers aren't the problem. Workers are the solution. Todd, thank you so, so much for taking your time out of your busy diary to uh to, to just have a chat um i love the i love the the relaxed approach that uh that you had to it um but also you know how you how you answer the questions but also how you're challenged you know i love to be challenged i love to to try and make a um you know make a difference with myself and um and become a better person from doing uh, doing things like uh, podcasting and uh, you have been a big big influence on that and i just want to say thank you very much for that um i love what you had to say about um you know about how leaders have to engage better with the uh, the people at the sharp end of the business and and move away from them being seen as the problem but actually the solution you know to to improving improving health and safety performance but in all performance across their uh, across their business um, it was great to, to just chat about um, about the challenges that we're going to be facing um, once once we move on. Um, you know, and I, I really think that, that this uh, you know this 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 issue, this pandemic, it, it's not going to go away. It's going to be something that we're going to have to live with moving forwards, and um, you know, and we're going to we're going to have to change the way that we do things. And it was lovely to to hear you talk about that and 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 how you know where the senior management fit in you know and you know and, I, and again fascinating fascinating to, to to hear your views and opinions that are that are just a little bit uh left left field you know and it's and it's great it's great to to have that you know i, I liked what you finished on with as well you know when we were looking at the perception of risk and about how how important it is for for leaders to to get back you know into the workplace you know they've been out of it too far away from it don't really know how things are done don't understand you know what capacity is needed to uh, to, to to make failure successful um and and i think that you know the, those words and the way that you spoke about that um it's, it hopefully is going to be really helpful to the people that listen to this uh you know to this podcast um, um but also just in general you know it uh, it just makes sense to to go out and talk um thank you ever so much everybody um i hope you enjoyed this uh this episode and um hey and we'll uh, we'll we'll speak again really soon bye now thanks for listening to the interest in health and safety podcast you can follow and engage on facebook and linkedin by searching the interesting health and safety community or go to www.influentialmg.com and remember let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business